add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, this week's show is one of our Life Lessons episodes with some of Ireland's most famous personalities. And today, I'm really looking forward to it. My guest is Mairead Ronan. She's no stranger to the Irish TV and radio landscape. Mairead has been working hard in the industry for over 18 years. She started her career on the Radar TV show, hosts Fittest Families, as one Dancing with the Stars in 2019, and now presents her own daily radio show on Today FM. On top of all that, she co-owns a hair styling equipment business called Faro. Mairead Ronan, how's it going? My goodness, that's a lovely intro you've given me there. <laughs> I feel like I'm busier than I feel, actually. <laughs> There's plenty going on in life, to say to say the least. How are things? How has life been during COVID? That's the obvious question to start with. We have to start there. Um, life for us has been, um, I'd say, ups and downs over the last year, Carl, because um, on one hand, I feel like I'm in no position to complain because both myself and my husband are still working full time. So I'm very aware that that's not the case for so many people. But also uh, for a huge chunk of the last 12 months, we didn't have childcare. And, you know, I don't want to call my two daughters babies, but they were when this pandemic kicked off, they were babies. I had a, a three-year-old and an 18-month-old as well as a teenager. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> he's well able to look after himself. And I found lockdown one extremely difficult. Um, So I had lots of people in my life loving it, loving this kind of, oh my God, uh, this slow pace of life. Uh, And and one person in my life was my sister. She works in Dublin airport. Um, After I think about a month of um, the first month of COVID, uh, she was told, look, you're not going to be working for the next few months. So she was on still a very decent salary of that. 80% of her salary was being paid but she was off 100% of the time. Um, I was put on a pay cut, so I I was down 15% of my pay, but I felt like I was working 200% more because I had to still perform like you normally would by doing the radio show, but didn't have that pillar of of support, which is our Timewinder K. And she's been with me since I had Dara. Dara's 14 next month. So that pillar of support was taken away from us, yet we were still supposed to perform exactly like we normally would. And I just found that extremely difficult. Um, and yet I felt like we also couldn't complain because people were saying, you're lucky you have your job. Um, but when lockdown two came around, we were we were definitely in a better position and a, d- a different routine. And now at this stage, I think like everybody else, we are we're just fed up. I'm really, really, I'm fed up with it all now. I'm kind of tired of being asked to do a little bit more. And uh, and I have no, I have no more to give. <laughs> I have no more to give. And then we got COVID. All of us got COVID here in this house, which was uh, a surprise and definitely stressful as well. Tell us a bit more about that. We will go into your career in a second, but in terms of getting COVID and the whole house got COVID. Yeah, and all the experience of that and the feelings around that. I'll be honest. One of the uh, first feelings was a bit of fear. 
um, because like it said, I, I was going into Dublin city centre every day. I was going to the supermarket. Um, obviously, nothing else was going on uh, in various different lockdowns. We weren't doing anything we weren't supposed to be doing. You know, we, we didn't have any house party. We don't have a shabine out the back garden or anything like that. Um, but uh, after Christmas, so the early days of January, um, and we were able to map exactly where we were. And uh, it was a supermarket um, or a petrol station. And that is where Louis picked up COVID um, and and uh, our baby daughter got it. Our two-year-old daughter got it the same time as him. Uh, and he had classic signs of a very bad headache, uh, a temperature and ex- ex- extremely tired. A tiredness that Louis just had never had before. So he got COVID tested, came back positive. Um, and then we were told, obviously, the rest of the family would have to be tested too. So that's when we picked up. Bonnie had it straight away. I was negative. Dara, my teenager, was negative, and our four-year-old was negative at that time. Uh, however, uh, Eliza then a week later showed up positive. So that every time somebody in the house uh, gets it, you you have to restart your clock on 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 your um your isolation. Day one, staying yeah, at home. Course, it's back yeah. to day one again. So we were back to day one again when Eliza got it. Um, she didn't really have any symptoms and had nothing, nothing to worry about her. She was nothing but like very basic cold, if I, if even any symptoms at all. Um, but Bonnie wasn't well. She was clinging to me like a koala bear. She was basically living on my hip. She wouldn't go to bed without falling asleep on me first. And she was sleeping lots. So that was weird to see a two-year-old who's so full of energy and never wants to go to bed at bedtime was now falling asleep on the couch for two and a half to three hours and still going to bed at a normal time. So I was freaked out by that. Um, Louis is spending all, all of his time in bed. Like, I mean, it was weird. It was like I had slipped him sleeping tablets. That's the only way I can describe his uh, behavior. His He was sleeping all day, getting up at about 5 p.m., having a bit of food, and then like going back to bed again. Um, and then, so myself and Dara, we were like thinking we were completely immune to this whole thing because, you know, we still hadn't got it. And um, when, eventually when we got back out, into walking the dog and get back into Today FM. Um, I had uh, gone to a supermarket, gone to a petrol station and got an eye test, which I really felt like I needed an eye test and I booked in an eye test. Those three places were the only places I were. And I got COVID and I got COVID pretty bad, like pretty bad. But when you think about it, like, and I was talking to um, a friend of mine, who her sister is a nurse, and she said, look, if we could see COVID, if it had a colour and we could see where it is, we would never leave our house because it is just everywhere. And, and this would have been, you know, January, February time. So I didn't feel, I didn't feel so stupid then, but that was, I felt stupid because it had been in our home. We had gotten rid of it. And somehow I brought it back into our home a second time by doing nothing but getting diesel and going to a supermarket and getting an eye test. So I felt like disappointed and stupid. And um, how did this happen to us again? And then Dara got it. My teenager got it, you know. Um, so it was it was just awful, awful to be locked back up again for a second time. You know, it really was awful. So we had to do another kind of two and a half weeks to make sure we were definitely out of it because did Dara pick it up the same day as me? I don't know. So we waited almost two and a half weeks. So the beginning of this year for us has been, again, stressful. That key support system of our childminder was not coming to the house, yet I still had to work and do a radio show. It was 
and and I was sick. I was really, really sick. Obviously, I didn't when I was really sick. I was, I, st- I took the bed. <laughs> they're not that. They're really good in today, fam. They let me take some time off work. <laughs> but um, yeah, just that stress, and uh, and I, I feel fine now. Um, but I definitely don't feel um like I'm at the energy levels I would have had before it. I definitely think I'm still operating only at about eighty percent. I don't. I'm still. I still have a, probably a little bit to go, and uh, to get my full energy levels back again. Yeah, but it's um, it was awful, but then not as awful as what it's been for other people who have obviously ended up in hospital or have lost a, a, a loved one. You know, that's that didn't happen to us, thank God. Let's chat career then. Okay, so these these episodes are all around life lessons from people who've had careers that people will know in the media and all of that. How did you get into radio? Was radio and TV were they always the goal? Is that something you always wanted to do? And if so, how did you do it? I suppose like they were always something I wanted to do that's that's definitely being honest and I remember saying it out loud in second year to Miss Geary my Irish teacher when we were talking about careers and um so I would have been maybe 13 or 14 probably at the time and and she told me you know Marie, your Irish isn't good enough to ever get a job in RTE I was like ooh, okay that's the end of that but you know at the time other places didn't really exist you know there was no Today FM and uh, she was probably right my Irish wasn't good enough at the time I'm not sure if you need it, need it anymore, but um, it was always there. But I don't come from a family of people working in the media or from a broadcasting background. You know, my dad worked in Smurfits and worked in factories. My mum was um, a, a waitress and she loved her job in Clontarf Castle. Uh, my sisters work in the airport and like nobody else in the family from cousins and aunts and uncles um, do anything that, that I have I, I, I've ended up doing. Um, but it was always there. Um, so I ended up, uh, I ended up doing something that most people do and it's just ticking boxes on my CAO and I ended up, uh, doing, uh, attempting to do a degree in human resource management, which is just, when I look back, that's my worst nightmare. People coming to me with their problems and me having to try and fix them. Like I, I just, that's just not, it's just the worst thing in the world. So I did one year of that degree and I sat down and spoke to my parents and said, I can't, I can't do this. Um, and my mom says, what do you want to do? And I was nearly afraid to say it. I probably was afraid. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I said, I really don't know what I want to do. So I ended up working full time um, for a year while I figured it all out. And that was that was just working in Arnitz and having fun and earning money. And and but then my mom got really sick and she when she was told she was terminally ill. And the conversation came up again. Um, so I gave up my full time job when mom got really sick because I wanted to be at home with her, knowing that she only had a couple of months to live. And mom said, Mairead, you know, what, what is it you're going to do? I feel like, you know, the job you're doing right now is not what you're supposed to be doing. And I said, I really would love to work in media. And she said, okay, well then why don't you try and do that? So um, in the January, uh, when mom was really sick, I applied to Ballyfermot um, College and they had a, they had a, what seemed like a really good course in media, a two-year course in media. And I said, I'll give that a go. And um, you had to go for an interview and all that. And I was called for the interview. I got the letter for the interview the day of my mum's funeral. That was in the post from myself and dad got home. Look, I did that and um, I fell completely in love with it. I never missed a day. Um, I handed assignments in early. Uh, I was kind of the opposite of how I behaved in my previous college course. So I knew I really, really loved this. And um, you had to get work experience as you do most of those courses. And it's so tricky to get work experience in the media. Uh, and now going forward, it's going to be even trickier for people. So I really, I really feel for them. Um, so I applied to uh, MTV in London and I did two weeks with them. 
Um, but I got that through a job that I had in a nightclub where we booked DJs from MTV. So I had an in there and I did two weeks there with them and they worked me to the bone. <laughs> they were like, here's a free person for two weeks. And they got me to do everything. Um, and then I had a, another two weeks in Today FM and I just adored working there. It was the most fun I've ever had at work. Uh, again, doing everything from posting out prizes to making tea and coffee, but I just loved the, the buzz that was around the place. And they said to me, look, we're going to keep your name, you know, we'll keep your CV. And I thought they say that to all the girls and boys that come through here, but they did, they did. They called me and they said, look, we have six weeks work for you. Can you do it? And Carl, that six weeks never ended really, <laughs> never ended ever. I'm still there. And that is, I'm so embarrassed to say, it was 19 years ago this week, <laughs> this week, 19 years ago, I uh, did work experience in Today FM. And you love it. You can tell by listening to this, how you tell the stories that you, you thoroughly enjoy what you do. I do. I love it. And look, I grew up there. Um, I also got that job, you know, like a year after my mom died. And it was definitely helped me with grieving because it was so fun and it was you know, it was so exciting. I was working on these live radio shows and all these cool guests were coming in and I got free tickets to gigs. I mean, it was like, do you want to go see Prince tonight? I'm like, you're kidding me for free. You know, it was all these things were happening and it was kind of exactly what I needed in my life at the time. And um, it was wonderful. And like some of my bestest friends and best friendships were formed during during that time too. So it, it was amazing until I suppose it wasn't, you know, I... In, in 20, God, what year is it? 2017, I decided to, to leave because I realized I had never really worked anywhere else. And I felt I had kind of hit this, you know, I was a producer of the Ian Dempsey Breakfast Show. I had worked as a producer at Ray Darcy. Uh, I had been on air, I'd been off air. I'd, I'd kind of done it all. I'd never had my own show, but I, I thought, oh, I don't know, I'd love to just try something else. And I don't know what that something else is. And um, I just had my second child and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to jump. And I don't know if I have a parachute or not. So my husband was like, go do it. Look, just go freelance. Uh, I had never done freelance work before. And, um, and I'm really, really, really glad I did that. I made that decision because that's when other things came my way, like Dancing with the Stars, which I could never have done had I had a full-time job. It's just, it's an impossible, it's an impossible show to take on or a challenge to take on if you have a full-time job as well. It's, you just couldn't, you can't do it. Joe, you've naturally gone there because I was going to go there at some stage anyway. Chat us through the training regime for that. We have interviewed some of the contestants before about a year and a half ago. Uh, it is hardcore. It's it, like, I have done things like half marathons and I did before like this 27 kilometer race that I did with Louis before like down in Killarney and I really trained for that and you know I wanted to do a, a good job of it but dancing with the stars you hurt in places that you didn't even know you either had a muscle or had a bone or had a tendon or like and and people don't realize and I didn't realize like doing something like a slow waltz which you know you're gently moving around the floor and you're kind of just you know you've got one arm out and the other arm is on your partner hooked onto your partner you're thinking that couldn't possibly cause any pain but what people don't see under your dress you're permanently almost squatting like you're you're putting the a bit of weight into your thighs and that's where the you have to hold yourself in your thighs and if you were doing that for somewhere between nine and ten hours a day for six days straight over and over and over again and 
it it just causes so much pain, but so much tone. I mean, I I was going into that where my fitness was on the floor when I got the phone call. I actually looked at an old phone recently and the, the the text message and phone calls records were still there from Larry Bass. And so looking at the dates, Bonnie was six weeks old when I got the phone call to say, would I be interested in doing it? And then when I eventually, you know, signed on to do it, Bonnie was about three months old. Wow. And I started working with John when she was about three and a half to like touching four months old fully breastfeeding her um you know on four months after my third baby um I was my biggest and heaviest having her even though she was my lightest baby it was a massive physical challenge never mind the whole getting your head around I'm dancing live on tv and if I slip and fall you know everyone's going to see so there's a whole mental side of dancing with the stars but the physical side of it uh, the first show I did it was on the fifth month to the day after I had Bonnie and so it was it was extremely tough. Like, and I was not, I was not at the races at all from anyone. No one thought I had any chance. Me included. I didn't think I had any chance either. Um, but to go from from that to winning was uh it was it was a really big deal for me. It was a big deal. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, how did it feel to win the to win the show? It was it felt huge. And like I know people who haven't People who don't like watch the show or have no interest in the show go a big okay. So you want basically a reality TV dancing show, but you're so you put so much physical effort into into each week. It's it's like it's like trying to learn a new language every week for twelve weeks because you know you've learned a waltz one week and then next week you're given like a jive and they're completely different with completely different rules and although you're on your toes this week it's all in the ball this week and you're like hang on a second last week you were telling me I had to be all on my toes and now you're telling me I have to be somewhere else and so it's like trying to learn a total new language every single week but I I worked really really hard and I was able to do it because I had the support of Louis like my husband he took all of the slack at home for the the entire journey is 16 weeks because it's four weeks before the first show and then 12 weeks while it's on tv so for those four months like louis did everything i don't think i put a wash on i don't think i never went to the supermarket i cooked very few dinners i i used to train with john at 7 a.m so i would have like expressed milk left it there he would feed it to bonnie i would be already dancing before she had woken up like it was a mad 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 time um but I did it because I had I I had that support. And that's the thing, like going back to COVID, like when you lose that pillar of support that you have built your whole life around, you can't perform. And I, I mean, perform and do your job. Like we, myself and Louis found it very hard to do our jobs without Kay, our childminder here. Um, I couldn't have done Dancing with the Stars without Louis and Kay. You know, they were the two people that kind of held, the, held everything up here at, at home. So, um, you know, I've built... I've got support structures. That's why I'm able to do what I do, I suppose. Yeah, well, hardworking is something that's, that jumps out straight away. That's obviously a trait that you have. Is competitiveness another trait? Um, competitiveness has never really been there. And I genuinely think that. Like, I have often given out to myself a little bit by saying, oh, if you were a bit more competitive, would your career be further along? And that's a conversation I definitely had with myself um, in my mid-30s when I felt like, oh, 
why did I not try push harder to do this or or oh she's further on her career because she does that and I definitely did a lot of comparing and 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 questioned myself um about not having that competitive streak um in me I definitely do have a hard-working streak and then when Dancing with the Stars came along I thought god no I don't want I don't want to be eliminated this week so maybe there is somewhere deep down in me there is a competitive streak um because I don't think they necessarily go hand in hand with being if you're a hard worker it doesn't mean that you are competitive um so Dancing with the Stars definitely brought it out a little bit in me um but hard work comes from my mom and dad I mean I was always as soon as I turned 16 I was told I had to go and get a job I had to have a Saturday job that's just what you have to do my mother always worked my dad's still working okay not officially but like he's you know he's still he's working like you know fixing locks on doors for people and pulling down a trellis on a wall that his neighbor didn't want on the wall anymore my dad's 83 like so it's just you know hard work is um it's just is there in the family how do you deal with the comparison pressure then? And I think people listening in, I think we all do that, right? We all scroll through Instagram or see someone in the paper like, oh, I, should, I could be like that or I'm not like that and beat ourselves up for it. And there's a whole rhetoric around that. Being in the public eye, presumably that's almost increased. How do you handle that or how do you deal with that? I definitely struggled with it in my mid thirties. I'll be honest with you. Like, like I just said, I was looking at other people, both male and female. I wasn't just looking at women going, Oh, why, why don't I have that job? Or why did I not get asked to go for that job? Um, but in my mid thirties, I looked at both men and women in my kind of age bracket. And I would have thought, God, yeah, she's, she's competitive. And that's why she's got that. And she's, she has hustled and I haven't been a hustler. I haven't done the things that she's done and why didn't I do them but it's just not in my personality now I'm 40 and I uh I definitely uh don't look at it like that I don't look at my Instagram following going why don't I have more I kind of know why I don't have more because I don't spend enough time on it I you know my following is very engaging with me but I I can't put that pressure on myself to post four times a week or do a reel because I have three kids. I have a job that I need to look after, which is a national radio show at lunchtime every day. I also have a business that I really love and hate at the same time. It's like, it's like the weirdest thing ever to have a love-hate relationship with a small business that you run. So like I I can I can answer all those questions now in my head. If I go, why don't I have that? I, go, I know why I don't have that. I don't have that because I have other things and I need to devote my time to the other things. So I have a very uh, strong pecking order list in my life. I look after that list and anything else is, is a bonus or a snack. Um, anything else yeah that's what they are you know, I just I need to know what's important and my mid-30s I didn't and now I definitely do yeah so as we as we mature through life you get that priority list straight in your head in terms of what is important and and presumably learning to say no a little bit more comes with that and I think we've all learned a bit a bit of that over the last year or so absolutely and I made that I Carly made that my new year's resolution I talked about it in in I don't know maybe it was before maybe it was uh, December and it could have been in the new year because it's all just a blur now but I said that was my new year's resolution for 2021 was to say no more often um, and a lot of people were making you know 2021 was the year of yes I'm like no it's definitely the year of no and like Carl to give you an example like when we were organizing to do this podcast you know it was a date was flagged with me and I looked at the date and I said okay I've got the show on that day and then I have it this online training thing that I have to do for work 
And then I could squeeze it in at, you know, four o'clock. And I went, no, no, I'm tying myself in knots. So I said, I can't do that date, but I can do this one. But me last year would have tied myself up in 14 knots to try and do the radio show, get dinner done, do the online training and the podcast with you. And um, since I've done it, since I'm saying, saying no more often, I'm far more organized. I'm far more calm and I'm probably getting more done, but in a different way. You mentioned calmness there. Let's take it. What, what calms you down? How do you switch off? Because for what you do, you're on. So whether it is radio, whether it is emceeing or whether it is TV presenting, you're on and you're in kind of on work mode. How do you flip that on its head? How do you calm down? How, what, what, how does downtime look to you? It, I mean, I'm probably going to be laughed at for this. Downtime is two things. One, it is actually switching off, unplugging. So not not scrolling, scrolling, scrolling through Instagram. Oh, look at that. Look what she's done. Look, oh, wow. Look what he's done. It's just stop doing that. I love Instagram. I absolutely love it. But just, it can suck the life out of your day. It can, it can suck your energy. Uh, it can suck your positivity, even though people say it's a very positive platform. But again, you can fall into that, you know, comparing yourself to... God, she got a 5K run in today. I haven't done one in four days. I'm a complete failure. So I have a really, really healthy relationship with Instagram now. So I love it and it's gone and it's away. So for me, calmness is, and it's cleaning my house. I'm sorry. I love, it is my mindfulness. Um, I I have tried yoga before. It doesn't do it for me. I prefer more like sweaty exercise. Um, and people talk about mindfulness. And cleaning my house is my mindfulness. I can, I love sticking on my headphones, listening to a podcast, listening to the radio and going around with my Hoover or like cleaning a bathroom. And I don't apologize for it anymore. Like people go on about Mrs. Hinch. I was hinching before Mrs. Hinch in that I, and it's not about a clean, you know, antibacterial house. I love a tidy house. That's what I mean. I love, I love having things organized because there's three kids here. There's a dog here. Myself and Louie work full time. I love when somebody says, where is my dot, dot, dot? I know where it is. And that keeps me calm. It keeps a very calm household. Um, everywhere by the kids playroom like that is an absolute <laughs> tip like that's a mess and that always stays it'll be way. very strange anyone has a tidy kids playroom there's yes, something I mean, wrong it's, somewhere it's like in all bizarre. Yeah, yes it is bizarre odd. but I do like having like a tidy knicker door and tidy toiletries and the towels folded because it just keeps it keeps order on the house and when there's order in the house I feel like I have order in my head and um, that's what keeps the whole thing yeah the whole thing calm I was chatting to Aggie McKenzie last week and we actually have her on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So she was epic, absolutely epic. And, and you know, it, it is very much around that. Well, I, I was saying to her, I remember listening to the Ray Darcy show. When you yes. guys, you brought <laughs> her to on. Ireland. You, yes. were, like, you, you were the first to have her on and she was on it once a week on doing these Q and A's. And I remember listening to it at the time in the car, being blown away by it. So we had her on for a corporate session last week. She was incredible, but it's all around that mindfulness thing of just switching off not having, you know, not scrolling, just doing something mindful and whether it's cleaning or folding or ironing or whatever, it, it's a, it's the escapism from your day. Yeah. And it's not, it's, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't want people to think I'm a clean freak. I'm not going around with like bottles of bleach everywhere. It's more, it's more tidying. And because there is five people and a dog in the house, like there's always things that need to be put away. And I, like, you know, if I say, okay, I'm going to put the girls in the bath, the door is open, Louis keeping an eye on them there. And I'm just going to go put my headphones on. I'm going to go, I'm just going to change their bed clothes. And I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. And I, 
I fully switch off. And I find, you know, after that hour or sometimes 40 minutes, I'm completely chilled. And I've said it, cleaning is my mindfulness. I love doing it. Um, I also think my family do too, but I need to get them more involved <laughs> before it becomes a problem. Final question. Um, if you were to give advice to your kind of 20-year-old self, oh yeah, on reflection of what you've been through in the last kind of 20 years in terms of work, in terms of all the opportunities that you've taken, all the work that you've done, all the things you've presented, looking back now, what advice would you give yourself? Um, it's like probably a cliche one, but it would be to back myself more because um, like, say you mentioned the Ray Darcy show there back when the Ray Darcy show was on Today FM. I mean, that was brilliant, but that was a grind. I mean, that was hamster wheel stuff. Like it was 15 hours of live radio, really tiny, tiny team, like three hours a day to generate content. Um, it was it was a grind. But I would love to tell myself to, uh, back then, back myself a little bit more. Um, trust your gut. I mean, cheapest, that is the thing that just, it just, it steers you right all the time. And mistakes that I have made, um, mistakes that I've made, I felt they were a mistake as I was, ma- as I was making them, because in my gut, I felt like they were a mistake. Um, so trust your gut, uh, back yourself a little bit more and don't stay working on the one thing for too long that's definitely advice I would give to my my younger self if I could go back in time it would definitely be that Raid Ronan it's been great to I've been looking forward to this for a long long time but we finally managed to get to get it sorted and get the interview put together which is great obviously people can listen in to you on Today FM tell us a little bit more about Faro and where people can check that out too yeah, we're we're available. Uh, we're an Irish company and we are faro.ie. Uh, we are blow drying brushes, but uh, that you can use at home. So I'll give you like a salon blow dry, but from your own home. And we're also uh, on sale in Peter Mark now, which was, uh, that took a few years to get over the line, Carl. I'm not going to lie, but there, we're there now. <laughs> Delighted. <laughs> but with hard work as ever, you make <laughs> things happen, work. which doesn't yes. surprise me. Great, Ronan, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Real Health. Folks, that's it for another show. We really hope you enjoyed today's ep. As ever, you know where we are. At Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram, realhealthindependent.ie. Hopefully, you enjoyed our chat. If you did, don't forget to rate and review. And a very big welcome to our new team, the Dara and to Mary. This is our very first episode. We've broken the ice and we're hitting the ground running. So it's great to have them on board. And we've lots more lovely episodes coming for you in the coming weeks and months. Have an amazing week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll see you very, very soon. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.